Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them. By the breath of his mouth, he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And in Psalm 34, starting in verse 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Lord, open our eyes that we may see wondrous things from your law. Lord, lead us, guide us, teach us. I just pray, Lord, you would incline our hearts to your testimonies. Let us learn the fear of you. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Your word does not return void, and I pray we just cut right to the heart. And let us truly be ones that want to follow you. In your name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to be doing Psalm 33 and doing Psalm 34 this morning. The way I do messages out here is when I get done with a Wednesday, I start working on Sunday. When I get done with Sunday, I start on Monday working on Wednesday's message. So when I got done with Wednesday's message, on Thursday morning, I start getting up and I start reading through the Psalms that we're planning on going through and what they're going to look like. If you look at the beginning of Psalm 33, the focus seems to be the worship. Rejoice in the Lord, all you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord. And that's where I felt the direction of where we were going to be going with this, is the idea of teaching on the importance of praise and worship. And we've been covering that a lot lately. But as I was reading through Psalm 33 and Psalm 34, the word fear kept popping up. And you see the word fear six times in these Psalms. Six times this idea of the fear of the Lord. You see the goal of it. Look at verse 8 one more time in Psalm 33. Let all the earth fear the Lord. That all the inhabitants of the world stand in all of him. And then how straightforward is verse 11 of Psalm 34. Come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That's what we want to do this morning. Is teach the fear of the Lord. This is argumentably one of the most important things. And I know it's that important because in Proverbs 1 verse 7 it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is one of the foundational stones of your walk with God is learning how and what it means to fear Him. And we will explain that as we go on. The flip side is this. It says in Romans 3 verse 18 there's no fear of God before their eyes. It's a dangerous thing to walk in this world and not walk in the fear of the Lord. What does it mean to not walk in the fear of the Lord. You're not walking in the fear of the Lord when you can sin and you don't care about it. You know what's wrong and you just don't care. There's no fear of the Lord. You know you're not in the fear of the Lord when you plan things without praying about it. You just make the plan. It sounds good. It feels good. You just do it. There's no seeking the Lord on it. You know you're not in the fear of the Lord when you make major life changes. You're going to change jobs. You're going to change houses. You're going to change careers. You're going to change spouses. You're going to change major things. Without ever getting God's approval on it. You're not in the fear of the Lord at that time. What you're doing is allowing yourself to lead and guide. And that is not the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible is pleading with us. Learn what it means to fear Him. 
And this is not just some Old Testament concept. Yes, it's very important in the Old Testament. Let me show that to you. Can you go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10? Deuteronomy chapter 10. You will see this from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You'll see it in the epistles. You'll see it in the gospels. But let me lay some foundation work here. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Look at the words to Israel. As they're getting ready to go into the promised land here. And God is reiterating to them the rules and the laws. Look at verse 12 of Deuteronomy 10. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Stop right there. And I know some of you are already still looking ahead, but don't. What does the Lord require of you? I love it when God is straightforward. I love it when it's just, here it is. We don't have to figure out. He's just saying, this is what is required of you. I love simple, straightforward instructions. That are not complicated in any way whatsoever. Dawn and I have been having to do this thing on a regular basis at home. And she kind of takes charge of, of, of doing it. Because it's something that she understands or whatever. But as she, I'm going out there to help her. She has a tendency to say this. I need you to take that and move that over there. And I'm always like, honey, can you give me one noun? Just one noun. What is that and where is there? And guys, you know what I'm talking about. Women speak in pronouns. I don't know what that is and I don't know what there is. So when God says, I've given you one thing, the Lord your God require of you, one thing, I like this, or what, what are you requiring of me? Verse 12, but to fear the Lord your God. Oh, wow. If I can get the fear of God, that changes everything. I got saved in 93. So I've been walking with the Lord 27 years. I have known about the fear of the Lord. I've taught on the fear of the Lord. But it really hasn't only been in about the last five years that I've really started grasping and understanding what it truly means to fear the Lord. To fear God and everything. And my time and my possessions and my energy. And we'll build up to that. Charles Spurgeon warns, do not make the fear of God an idle thing that you just talk about but do not live. We talk about it. But when we truly grasp what it means to fear Him, it changes how you live. So, back to verse 12. What does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you today for your good. When I learn to fear Him, then I'm learning to walk in His ways, and to love Him, and to serve Him with all my heart, my soul, etc. Jump ahead, same chapter to verse 20. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise. Stop right there. Remember fear and praise. That's going to be a connecting thought. Remember fear and praise. He is your praise and he is your God. Who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Fear, praise and awesome. Remember that. Remember that. Now, once again, this sounds like a very Old Testament concept. The idea of fearing God. But it continues out through everything. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this very simply. Fear God. The church walked in the fear of God. Acts chapter 9. Then the churches throughout all of Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit they were multiplied. The church walked in the fear of the Lord. Jesus commanded 
the fear of the Lord. In Luke chapter 12, he says, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear and inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 1. We need to be taught the fear of the Lord, Psalm 34. It is an Old Testament concept that God required of Israel in Deuteronomy 10. It is a New Testament concept in the epistles and the words of Jesus. How do we do it though? Back to Psalm 33 and Psalm 34. We've already established that we're called to do it. Psalm 33, 8. That all the earth fear the Lord. God watches us as we fear him. Psalm 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. We're blessed by it. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. And Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints. There's no want to those who fear him. When I fear God, he'll make sure that he meets all my needs. Please understand, he doesn't meet all my wants. He meets all my needs. Look at the blessings of this. But for us to understand the fear of the Lord, I think we have to define it first. One commentator defined it as this. The fear of God is respecting him, obeying him, submitting to his discipline, and worshiping him in all. So respecting him, obeying him, submitting to him, and worshiping him. That's a nice definition. I like it like this. I define the fear of God as having a healthy awe, respect, and fear of who he is. Let's break those down. There's an awe. There's an awe to the glory of God. Remember back in Deuteronomy, I wanted you to remember praise and fear. When you realize who God is, there's an awe and reverence for that. Revelation talks about this a lot. Revelation 15. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? Revelation 14, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. If we were living in the time of Revelation and we saw the events of Revelation played out in front of us, which I do not believe we will. I believe in the pre-trib rapture of the church. But if we did, how would you not be in awe of God's power and might in the book of Revelation? That that fear would lead to glory and praise in all of who he is. Jesus, when he did miracles in the Gospels, Luke 7 says this, then fear came upon all and they glorified God. The amazing miracles that Jesus did led people to fear and glory. So there is an element of God's glory that leads us to fear him. He's God, we are not. Think about just creation. I love going out and looking at the stars. And the moon and the planets. And to stop and think that, that what I see of these planets are our solar system around our sun. When you see the moons of Jupiter and the rings of Saturn. And you see the redness of Mars. It's amazing. But then to go one step further and you see all these stars out of the Milky Way. And then you go one step further and you start looking at galaxies that are beyond ours. And you realize the vastness of space. And it's just us. Isaiah says that earth is a unique creation. It's us. And I've had many people ask over the years, why is there all of that if it's just us? Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the majesty of God. When I go out and see all of that and realize God's attention's right here and he holds all of that in his hand, that leads me to the awe and glory and fear of God. 
Because of the vastness of just who God is. So there's an awe. There is a respect of who he is and what he has done. I have seen the power of God. When you go read through the Old Testament and you see the power of God creating something out of nothing. You see the flood. You see rising from the dead. You see this. You respect it. And then there's an element of fear. Now let's talk about that element of fear. Because when we think of the word fear, we usually don't think of fear as a good thing. It just depends on your perspective. If you are not right with the Lord, if you are not saved, or if you confess Christ and you're living in sin, there should be a fear. But when you're right with the Lord, all of a sudden there's not a fear of trembling. There's an awe and reverence of who he is. I'll give you an example of this. A few weeks ago I was out just doing some yard work and I was spraying. And as I was spraying... I came across in the stones, there was a very large uh, garter snake curled up. It's kind of interesting. I was so excited when I saw it. If you drive by my house, there's this spray pattern because I didn't stop spraying and I got a dead... It really is. There's this weird dead grass thing. Now, and I don't want to push this too far because my my wife has a legitimate... Just She's afraid of them, hates them. So to her, there is a fear of that. To me, there's an awe and reverence. This is the most exciting thing. I got all the boys. We got together. We caught it. Then we decided, do we capture it and take it back to the creek and let it go? Do we kill? I mean, we, it just, it's the greatest thing for us. But it's all in perspective. So therefore, when you come in and you hear the teaching on the fear of God, if there's something not right in your life, there's a squirming. There's a conviction. There's a, this is uncomfortable to me. Because the fear of the Lord, you realize the consequences of not being right with God. But if you're right with God, then there's the fear of God where you look at the awe and reverence of who he is. And you just stop and you say, Lord, yes, you. What did we just read in Luke chapter 12? He will bring, he knows every thought and word. And he will bring into light the deeds done in darkness. There is a fear of that. There is a consequence to our sin that does lead to a fear. And as I mentioned earlier, the quote by Spurgeon. Be concerned about having an idleness of just talking about the fear of the Lord, but not living it. So what does it mean to actually go out and do it? There seems to be some stages, if you will, to understanding this. The first stage of fear is what? I don't do it because there's a fear of getting caught. Why don't I do that? Because I don't want to get caught. I just don't want to get caught. I don't want the embarrassment of getting caught. I don't want the loss of pride of getting caught. I don't want to get caught, so I don't do it. Is that the fear of God to an extent? It's mostly a fear of I don't want to get caught. How about the next one? The fear of losing something. I don't do it because I'm afraid of losing something. If I do that at work, I'll lose my job. If I do that, I'll lose my spouse. I'll lose my kids. I'll lose money. I'll lose the ministry responsibilities I have, so therefore I don't do it. Is that a fear of God? Well, you're getting a little bit more. You're thinking about consequences. Then there's the fear of having to. If I don't do this, I'm doing this because I have to. Can you imagine how the Lord feels when we do devotions because we have to? If I don't do devotions today, I'm going to get a flat tire. The fear of having to go to church, the fear of having to do things, that's not the fear of God. What is the fear of God? The fear of God is all reverence of God where I stop and say, Lord, I don't want to do this out of your glory. I could do this sin and get away with it and no one would ever know about it. I can cover my tracks, I can hide it, no one will ever know. But Lord, I'm not going to do this 
out of all reverence respect of you. Lord, I'm getting up in the morning and spending time with you, not because I have to, not because I'm afraid of your curse being upon me if I don't, but because, Lord, I have such an awe and reverence of you who created something out of nothing. How dare I even take a breath without stopping and thinking about what you want me to do? I could go out and make that purchase. The money's there, sure. But, Lord, out of awe and reverence and respect for you, I fear you to pray about that decision. Sure, I got to change the jobs. I know they'll hire me. But no, Lord, out of all reverence, I seek you. See, fear of God changes how I live. It changes what I do. It changes how I act. It changes how I think. Because the Lord even knows my thoughts. I'm accountable to him for my words. And so therefore, there is a fear of him, of all reverence of who God is. And I want to give him everything. My time, my energy, and my possessions. I want to give it to him in all ways and completely. What is the greatest example of this? Can you go with me to Genesis 22, please? Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is the example of Abraham and Isaac, which is probably one of the best examples of the fear of the Lord being put into action. You remember the story of Isaac? He is the promised child to Abraham and Sarah. Born miraculously when Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100. He was this promised child that the Lord was going to use to bless the world. And then all of a sudden you get this. Genesis 22 verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him. Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now put that in perspective. This promised child that you've waited a century for, the Lord is now saying, now go, sacrifice him. Now please note, when you study this out, I think ages and time frames are important. Isaac is not a boy at this time. He could have been in his 20s, maybe even in his 30s at this time. I think, I think it's so important to grasp that concept. I remember one time learning about one of the last kings of Judah. And before they... Um, took him away they took his boys and put him in front of him and they killed all of his boys in front of him then plucked out his eyes so the last thing he saw was his kids being put to death and for some reason i always just thought that he was this older person and then when you go back and study it out because the bible gives you enough time frames to usually figure out someone's age i started realizing at that time he's my age so these boys that were being put to death in front of him would be like my boys i just always envisioned these grown men no I think ages are important. So here's Abraham, 100 plus easily. Isaac, maybe in his 20s, maybe he's in his 30s. And and I'm not going to go through all the detail, but as you go through this, just look for Jesus in there. Because you'll see a lot of similarities here of the idea of Christ and Isaac. So go to the land of Moriah. And this is where the temple is going to be built. We know this later on. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. First point, fear of the Lord. You don't delay. God says, go, you go. Abraham didn't wait a week, a month, a year to see if God would change his mind. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. Can you imagine what was going through his mind there of splitting the wood? Here you are splitting the wood to sacrifice your own child. Can you imagine what's going through your mind on that? Verse 4, then on the third day, once again, see the connection to Jesus. Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. What's going through his mind as he sees that? 
5, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we'll come back to you. Please note two things in verse 5. First one, we will come back to you. Look at the faith of Abraham. You know, it says in the book of Hebrews that Abraham was so sure that even if Isaac would have been dead, God would have brought him back to life. Verse 5, note, we will worship. Do you look at that as worship? See, when you fear God, everything is an act of worship. Lord, this looks like a sacrifice, but how is it a sacrifice? It's a sacrifice to put aside my plans, my time, my energy, what I want to do. That's a sacrifice? Hebrews says you have not resisted to the point of bloodshed. It's not a sacrifice, Lord. It's a worship act. Verse 6, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, Jesus carrying his cross. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here are my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. God will provide. If you jump ahead to verse 14, they called the place the Lord will provide. That's where we get the phrase Jehovah Jireh from. God provides. 9. Then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Once again, Isaac could have fought, and he didn't. 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Do you know what the ultimate example of fearing the Lord is? When you don't say no to anything that the Lord asks you to do. You you don't stop and say, well, you know, I really wanted to go here. So I can't right now, Lord. But as soon as I get back, all of a sudden your time, your energy, your possessions, everything goes out the window. And you stop and you realize, Lord, I'm giving you absolutely everything. I'm giving you my obedience. I'm giving you my possessions. I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my money. I'm giving you my energy. It is completely, utterly you. To the point of whatever the consequences are, it does not matter. I think of in 1 Kings 18, if you remember correctly, there's a man by the name of Obadiah. Now, this is not the prophet Obadiah, but this is another man that took and hid 150 uh, prophets, excuse me, priests of God to keep them safe. He put his life on the line to Ahab and Jezebel to keep them safe and fed them and watered them in a cave. Fearing God, he said. The fear of the Lord sometimes makes you do things that you don't want to do. The fear of the Lord sometimes makes you stop things that you want to do. Because you realize it's wrong. And God, I am called to fear you. Fear you like Abraham where I'm willing to give up everything. Fear you like Obadiah where I'm willing to make a sacrifice. Fear you and fear only you. What did Jesus say in Luke 12 again? Fear God. Don't fear anybody else. I like what Spurgeon says. He who fears God has nothing else to fear. How simple is that? He who fears God has nothing else to fear. Jump back with me now to Psalm 33. So what does this look like then? First thing is this. When you fear God, you realize that you're not going to be a people pleaser. You're not going to be a man pleaser. Ephesians 6 warns us of this, of being a man pleaser. Colossians 3.22 warns us of being a man pleaser. You're always wondering how everybody's going to react to what you do and to what you say. And you make decisions based 
on how other people will respond, you're not fearing God. Fearing God is, I am so called to be obedient to him that I can't worry about how other people respond. Do you remember in um, 1 Samuel 15, God gave the command to Saul to go destroy the Amalekites. Destroy everything. So Saul goes and has this amazing victory, but he keeps the animals back. He spares King Agag of the Amalekites. Samuel shows up, the prophet. And Saul says, look at what we did. We were obedient. We did everything. And Samuel has that great line, if you're obedient, why do I hear the bleeding of sheep? You didn't obey. So Samuel gets on Saul and says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Saul, if you really wanted to obey, you would have done it. Saul has excuse after excuse after excuse of why he didn't obey. Why he didn't obey. Samuel then prophesies, you're going to lose the kingdom now, Saul, since you can't obey. Finally, Saul confesses this. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. What a dangerous place to be is when you fear man more than you fear God. What a dangerous place to be is when you are afraid to speak up out of how people will react. You're afraid to be obedient out of your own desires. You're afraid to do this or that out of fear of reaction and response rather than God. We have to learn to fear God more than we fear man. Once again, Spurgeon, he who fears God has nothing else to fear. And if you stop and you hear that and you say, I I can't, that is just so much. I agree. That is so difficult to do. That's why God says, I'll take a little. Psalm 115 says this, he will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Small and great, just a little bit of fear. He'll work with it. Isn't Gideon an example of just a little bit of fear? See, we always think of Gideon as this amazing man because when, when, when the angel shows up to Gideon, he says to Gideon, oh, mighty man of valor. You remember the story of Gideon? He was not a mighty man of valor in any way whatsoever. He was afraid of the Midianites. The Bible says that he was at the bottom of a hill separating the wheat. That's something you do on top of the hill because the wind would come and blow the chaff away. If anybody has ever grown up on a farm, you know what chaff does with the wheat. It's, it's awful. I remember when we used to go do the baling. And I remember you had to choose between being on the wagon, unloading the straw outside, or being up in the mound. Now, if you were outside, you were in the sun. Well, that's miserable. Bailing would be fun if you could do it in the middle of March where it's nice and cool. But no, you're doing it in July. It's hot. It's awful. So you're out there on the wagon. Now you could be up in the mow. You're not in the sun. But now you're out of the wind. And it's hot. And it's stuffy. Not in the sun. And the chaff just fills the area. But if you're out on the wagon, you're in the sun, but you got the wind to blow it away. You see what I'm saying there? That chaff. So that, that really hits me when I think of Gideon threshing the wheat down in this pit and just covered in it because the wind can't blow it away. Why is he doing it? Because he's afraid of man. He's afraid of the Midianites. So it's interesting. Then God calls him to go destroy some false altars. Gideon goes and does it, but he does it at night because he's afraid. But do you note that Gideon had a little fear of the Lord. Oh, folks, how about just a little fear of the Lord and let the Lord start to take that and work with that, which takes me then to my third point. How about you just pray for it? Lord, I don't fear you. I make decisions without seeking you. I do things that please me rather than are obedient to you. I just plan what I want to do 
with very little thought. I buy what I want to buy. I spend what I want to spend. There's no fear of Lord in my eyes. Confess it, repent it, and pray for it. Understand once again how big your God is. Take a look here at Psalm 33. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, that all the inhabitants of the world stand in all of them. But rewind it to verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them. By the breath of his mouth, he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. As we mentioned earlier, when you realize creation, you realize then fear. When you realize the vastness of God and his majesty, It takes you to glory, praise, and fear. That's what we learned in Revelation. That's what we learned in Deuteronomy. And what happens is this. When I notice that people don't have a deep awe and reverence for worship, there's usually not a lot of fear of the Lord. Understand what worship is. It is not your favorite songs being played the way you want and your favorite music style. And we've taught this so many times. So often we equate worship with liking music. Worship has nothing to do with liking the musical styles. That is something we've created here in the concept of church. Worship is God, you get the glory. No matter what, you get the glory. And when I understand that, I can then understand the fear of Him. How else do we learn the fear of the Lord as we mentioned earlier? Remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 4, God will bring to light the things done in darkness. Remember what it says in Numbers 32. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. God will bring to light the things done in the darkness. Lord, there's a fear of I can get away with it with people. I can get away with it at work. I can get away with it with my spouse. I can get away with it in the church. But Lord, I can't get away with it with you. I fear you to be obedient. I don't fear you out of fear of getting caught. I don't fear you out of losing something. I don't fear you out of having to. Lord, I just stop and say of awe and reverence for who you are, I fear you and I just want to be obedient to you. Jump ahead to Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, verse 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. Those who seek the Lord shall lack no any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Here we go. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? I run into people every now and then that stop and say, the idea of, I said, you'll be blessed. Oh, I don't care about being blessed. I care about getting blessed. If you're giving me the option of being blessed or not being blessed, I'm always going to choose blessing. Why would I not want to be blessed? Why would I not, verse 12, desire life? Why would I not, verse 12, want to see good? Why would I not, in verse 12, desire days? I need to fear the Lord. What does it look like, though, practically? You want to learn to fear the Lord? Verse 13, keep your tongue from evil. Watch what you say. When you fear the Lord, you will watch your words. You will watch what you say about different people, your neighbors. You'll watch what you say about the body of Christ. You'll watch what you'll say about the government. You'll watch what you'll say about your co-workers and your friends and your bosses. You'll watch what you say because you fear the Lord. And the Bible says, speak evil of no one. So out of fear of the Lord, I will watch what I say. Next one, and your lies from speaking deceit. Out of fear of the Lord, I'll speak truth, no matter what the consequences are. I can get away with that lie. I can hide that lie. I can cover up that lie. But no, fear of the Lord, I will not speak deceit. Fear of the Lord, verse 14, depart from evil and do good. I don't want to sin. So Lord, I fear you. That this action I am doing is just wrong, and I depart from evil and I do good. It goes back to what I said at the beginning. If we can sin and not care about it, 
There is not fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord says this action is wrong and evil and I don't want to do it and I will not do it. Seek peace and pursue it, verse 14. The fear of the Lord stops and says, I have relationships with people that are not right and I seek peace and I pursue it. They may not want a relationship with me, but I fear God. That I want to be able to stand before God and say, I did everything I could to build a bridge with that person. They chose to burn that bridge down, not me. I fear you, Lord. 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. God sees, God knows, God hears. Once again, what is done in darkness will be brought to light. Numbers 32, be sure your sin will find you out. That is not to strike fear into you of trembling. It is to strike fear of God into you to say, why am I doing these things? Lord, let us learn to fear you in our time, in our energy, in our possessions, and in our actions. This is not something that just happens overnight. This is something where it takes a lifetime to learn. Lord, I don't want to. Lord, I want to be like Abraham and say, I give it all to you. I'm done planning my life on what I want and I will seek you. Lord, I'm done spending on what I want to spend. I will seek you. I am done taking my free time and living it for you. I'm done of all my dreams and plans. And we hear this a lot about my dream home, my forever home. Lord, there is no dream home, forever home. I'm wherever you want me to be because I fear you. And then I, how about Obadiah? I fear you understanding the consequences could be difficult. I'll go hide the priest in the cave and I'll feed and water him right in front of the evil king Ahab and Jezebel. But I will do it, Lord, because I fear you more than I fear man. Think of Saul. Saul said, I feared the people, so I disobeyed God. I like this quote. Why did Saul obey the people instead of God? Because he feared the people instead of God. He feared the human consequences of obedience more than he feared the divine consequences of disobedience. One more time. He feared the human consequences of obedience more than he feared the divine consequences of disobedience. He feared the displeasure of the people more than the displeasure of God. And that is a great insult to God. Never make a decision based on the reactions of people. Make your decision based on the fear of God. Would you stand with me please? Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Lord, let us learn the fear of you. Let us live in the fear of you, the healthy awe of reverence of who you are. If there is someone here listening or watching that is not walking in fear, Lord, I pray that you would convict them to the point of them listening to you. If there's someone here planning not in the fear of the Lord, there's someone here spending not in the fear of the Lord, if there's someone here living not in the fear of the Lord, show them you, the blessed obedience of following you, Lord, in all ways and all things. You are a good God and we love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. You can take a seat real quick. In the way of announcements, um, prayer call Tuesdays at 7. New time, new day. Prayer call Tuesdays at 7. Hope you can make it to that. What a blessing that is. VBS, uh, we're going to be starting the registration for it. We're doing a mix this year. There will be online VBS where videos will be posted, but there will also be face-to-face coming up on Wednesdays there. Information is on the church website, the church Facebook page. If you have any questions about this, parents, Tony is right there as well. And there's a VBS meeting after church here today. You can ask her questions concerning that as well. A quick thank you to share. It says, Dear Harvest Fellowship. This is from Sharon Fox. 
Fox. Thank you for the great blessing. My heart is still singing with joy. I was able to finally pay off my hospital bill from last year, and the rest of the money will be used to pay for my medication. May God greatly bless your church, your sister in Christ, Sharon Fox. And you guys know Sharon. She helps lead up the study out here on Fridays for the ladies and uh, able to bless her that she could be blessed then as well. So, hey, walk in the love, all reverence, fear of who God is this week for his glory in all ways and all things. You guys have a good week and God bless.